Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Raphael. Hey, uh, what's up in Frankfurt? Yeah, that's right. I'm in Frankfurt, America's. Yeah. Wait, I mean Europe's. <laughs> well, I was in America because it's actually nicknamed Manhattan. <laughs> oh. We're in uh, the Manhattan of Europe. I don't know if you know that because the Main or Mine River runs through Frankfurt. So you're in Manhattan, and I'm in Manhattan today. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why do people always want to be like America? It's, it's kind of a German thing, though, too. Like they love their wordplay because, like, in some ways, the German language is the most flexible language for wordplay so yeah okay yeah. you know because yeah, like, it, like it, a it, sentence is a word yeah oh okay yeah in 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 rotterdam it's on the, the river mass and then they call it manhattan on the mass because it's the most high rises in uh, the netherlands it's still not that much but uh, yeah right, everybody right. high rises in europe uh, always make me laugh and same thing with Frankfurt <laughs> Skyline, where it's like, yeah. it's like just a few <laughs> pathetic buildings. <laughs> and the, man, the highest We, we also like, have five floors. Look, it's a very high. <laughs> I mean, they make up for it in like just overall pure density without any space between buildings. But yeah, um, yeah they're not good at towers yet. Even in London, the sort of the biggest city. Well, I, I think in general... Um, Modern architecture is kind of problematic in Europe because the old architecture is so beautiful and then you put up new buildings and then all of a sudden 10 years later you're like wow that looks so 90s. But that's actually not Whereas true in the other Germany, buildings because right? most of the buildings were bombed. Um, there's like, still a lot of older like 40s and 20s and I, mm. I don't know it, it, it I'm I'm talking about when you go to a city when you're in Manhattan you don't I guess there's a few old buildings but in I guess I'm relating to the Netherlands, where you mm -hmm. have these beautiful 17th century canal houses, and yeah. whenever they build a new neighborhood, 20 years later, everybody's like, oh, why did we decide on that aesthetic? That terrible. <laughs> well, I think in, the, like, Frankfurt like in, is, in, yeah. Yeah, in, in the city of Utrecht, they, they, um, they had all these beautiful canals, and some of them were in the way, so they just filled the canals with concrete, and now yeah. they're, uh, 40 years later, they're digging the concrete out again. Like, oh, yes, oh, I've seen this. Bad plan. Seen, yeah. But I mean, Frankfurt ha is um, a wonderful city for its people. But I think you know uh, the the architecture here is pretty plain. Um, yeah, it's also the weather. the the uh, The Western Europe light <laughs> is kind of bleak and bland, which is nice if you're out in the fields and it's kind of foggy and gray. But yeah, I think it's beautiful on a morning when the the grass is wet from the dew and yeah. there's little sheep. Yeah. But when it's when it's just very efficient, cheap social housing with that weather it's not very charming you did guess that exactly what's outside my window but i mean i'm across <laughs> the street from a, a zoo as well so there's a little bit of exoticism mm -hmm. staying at the zoo hotel <laughs> it's, it's a, a zoo weird, it's a weird situation it's, it's a nice excuse to have really messy hotel rooms it's, like, well, this it's is okay like, it's a zoo yeah, I have to apologize if something goes wrong during this podcast because I'm on I'm in like a hotel that didn't really get out of the nineties. So like <laughs> I had to like buy internet and it comes with a little like lottery ticket that I had to sign in yeah. for. And actually I bought a backup ticket just in case things go wrong during this podcast. Well we we just just a, a little uh, tech info. We usually connect via Skype and then record on our computers each locally with QuickTime. Um, but now Skype wouldn't connect uh, somehow, so I then we used yeah. so then we used FaceTime, but Skype... FaceTime was hijacking the mic, and now we're on Google Hangouts, so yeah. it's not 
obstructing the recording and well I don't, hopefully I don't, know if, I don't know if that's the hotel trying to like make up the long they, you know they want you to use the phone they actually have a phone in this room which is always bizarre too <laughs> <laughs> i always use the phone for, to ask something in the front desk uh, i've never done that i would always just go down in person i don't know why there's something intimidating about hotel i don't know the hotel phone just i always thought i didn't even know it worked <laughs> well I, i i have this thing where if i go to a hotel room i take whatever objects there are on the desk and the dresser and every I try to put everything in the closet or in the drawers. Oh, really? there's always all these these folders of yeah. uh, like theme parks nearby and it's just a lot of litter. Everything I have, yeah, it's so, just in one big pile. So I usually <laughs> I unplug the phone and the alarm clock and everything and just put everything in the dresser or wherever. Yeah. For me, it's important yeah. that it be a mess as soon as possible because then okay. it's like mine, you know, like if, yeah. but if I hide everything, then I'm still in a showroom kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put all your turtlenecks uh, all over. <laughs> That's right. I just, it's just like I have a bag of turtlenecks. I just start throwing them around the room, draping them. How many, how many of the white turtlenecks do you have? Um, I only at one time. Uh, well, I guess right now I have three or four, but there's only one that I like the fit of right now. But then I have a okay. summer one where I tore the sleeves off. Um, it, it, th- maybe not. Maybe not everybody knows. I mean, yeah, that's right. Should, Why is this guy but, turtlenecks? But Jeremy, uh, whenever he does a performance, wears a white turtleneck, kind of opposite yeah. of Steve Jobs, I guess. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I'm the opposite um, of Steve Jobs. And, and I usually wear. Steve Jobs used to wear like old man jeans. Yeah. Um, but you wear, wear cutoff jeans. Yeah, cutoff jeans. Yeah, that's my play on it. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, so I was curious. You're not taking it that far, like Gilbert and George, where you would just wear that same outfit also during the day and it just mm-hmm. every day. All I mean, it would make your life really simple. Not not yet. I'm not yet doing that. Um, I've thought about it because the turtleneck is just a good classic look. It's the it breaks down in the summer though, um, which is why I have the shorts. Often, It's too but I warm. Wear the shorts in the winter. Yeah. Do you know, do you know uh, th- this comedian Mitch Hedberg, and he talks about turtleneck feels like being strangled by a really weak dude all day long. Oh, really? Because I've always had this joke. It's like being strangled by an angel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, I haven't heard and, that, uh, but that's how it feels for sure. It's Mitch Hedberg comforting. is one of my favorites. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So. Turtlenecks aside, this week is a little bit unique in that someone asked us to talk about something specific. Yeah, well, it, it, it's been really uh, awesome. I mean, this this podcast, I don't know if you can call it a social medium, but it's its a much more, uh, I don't want to use the word genuine, but it's, it's more, uh, it's more personal, yeah. Personal, and then when you do... It comments on social media are so easy, but when someone reaches out to you on email or makes a field recording or suggests a topic, I th- find it much more interesting than just like, hey, love that. <laughs> so so um, someone emailed us with a suggestion for a topic, which we both found interesting, so we will yeah. uh, grant her wish. Yeah, and normally what we would do with the podcast is we're never quite sure what we're going to talk about, and uh, the idea is that the themes emerge... Um, and that we kind of get to a point like we there's, make a, there's tons of, of people in a car right now like, just start the fucking just start the topic <laughs> how long are you going to keep us waiting no no we're, yeah well okay yeah let's, let's, let's introduce we're, topic, we're eight so. minutes into the episode <laughs> <laughs> no, because we will is, tell I, you but actually you have to I can, I'll tell you when I listen to other podcasts I count on these eight minutes of nothing because it's like I start running the bath or like I start yeah cooking, that's true and there's yeah. a lot of noise during that period so it's the setup period like I know 
our listeners are probably setting up right now and mm-hmm. we're setting up. Yeah, they're so. getting out of parking or they're yeah, like no stress. Setting yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So uh, the listener in question is Molly Kaplan, and we we explicitly didn't do too much research on her because that would be like weird and stockish. But she did ask uh, uh, for us to talk about shock or shock value. Um, yeah. So well, specifically in art, right? Because I think the, the real life right now is pretty shocking. So we we don't have to. Yeah, and then there's uh, of course there's like shock and awe. There's like a long history to the word shock. Yeah, but let's talk about shock in in art because if we're gonna talk about shock value in uh, journalism or politics, then I think that's pretty simple. Okay. Yeah. All right. So shock yeah. in art. Um, I actually don't know where to begin with this, but my my mind immediately goes to sort of this like uh, young British artist period, this YBA period, um, the turn of the century in England. Mm-hmm. And when they say turn of the century now, this is my favorite expression because it's like, <laughs> it's like I feel like I'm such an old it's man. The, yeah, the, like the YBAs are the new Charles Dickens. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, like obvi- we all know sort of Damien Hurst, uh, you know, obviously like cutting a cow in half or Tracy Emin making art about, you know, uh, her bed and sex and stuff. Um but is, yeah. it, is that where your mind goes immediately? No, not at all. My mind goes back further. But I think the it, whenever something new happens, like Impressionism, mm-hmm. then people come up with a bad name for it and say, oh, that's terrible. I, I, my art history is very fragmented and anecdotal. But one mm-hmm. of the things I remember was that when the Impressionists came out, people would felt like their eyes were hurting when they were looking at all the bright colors and then they would get a headache it was so shocking those kind of colors mm-hmm. and, and uh, like pointiest paintings so what's interesting to me that whatever shock shocking is not very shocking later mm-hmm. that that's the whole uh rhythm yeah. of shock yeah 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 anything new is kind of shocking yeah but then it's also funny when things are shocking 12 centuries later when uh, uh, Greek nude statues have to be censored with a, a, a leaf on the genitals because people are not used to nudes anymore. Yeah, and of course we talked about it before, those sculptures were more shocking probably because they were like bright colors. And, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, to me, it, it, I always talk about this, my background of being a fan of metal and horror films or that type of stuff. And then things that are shocking in the art world, I'm like... How is that shocking? <laughs> yeah. Well, so, if, we, if, if we verge out of the art world, I still think of the 90s because just for a moment, like the shock jock was like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the kind of Howard Stern uh, radio show host in America was like sort of it was an established uh, style of like if this podcast were on in the 90s, we would be like there'd be a stripper on the air or we would be <laughs> like talking to like. I don't, I don't think redu- you know it's it, really kind well, of juvenile. Well, one um, yeah, the juvenile is a good word because one of the things that comes to mind um, whenever I'll meet artists who are like, yeah, we need to wake up the system. These people are so boring, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna shock them. And it always it, it reminds me of when you're five years old and someone in your class is like, I stayed up till two tonight and I didn't tell my parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like who are you? And and the shocking and the the art world is so stiff and conservative and and it's like a yeah. librarians. So it's yeah. the easiest environment to shock. Yeah. So it does yeah. remind me of what I'm here doing in Germany. Or I uh, I'm redesigning this festival as I mentioned in a previous podcast. It's like a 
coding or creative coding festival called Node. But like to, this week, they like were brainstorming or uh, sort of planning how we're going to do this. Uh, me and a, a group of artists that formed a sort of a loose collective uh, to work on this project. Um, and we had to go do an event at like a, at like a creative industries thing. Like they to, to fund us being over here for this first week, they signed us up to be at this like creative industries day uh, at in the city of Frankfurt. And it was at the stock exchange. And so when you hear creative industries, maybe you're thinking like, oh yeah, like designers and artists and stuff. But it's more like the cultural ambassadors, and like the business people, the people doing zoning laws and. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it, it's it's uh, it's all part of it, and uh, no, as an I know, artist, you should just so, uh, take take advantage of whatever comes your way. And so, no, but I mean, I bring it up because you might assume that this is like a super conservative audience, and of course, everyone has like their suits on and stuff. And um, so, we did this little performance, and it was. Uh, I, I don't want to talk about the whole performance, but like, basically, my assumption was my assumption always is that inside of everyone is like sort of still a child, right? And or and someone hopeful, um, and also like someone eager to express themselves, but has been told by the world, no, <laughs> you know, yeah. like don't be, don't yeah. look foolish in front of others. And so, you know, in, mo in a lot of my performances, I'm trying to empower and sort of take that, take those sort of constraining power structures out of the picture, so you can really be yourself. And I think it was just amazing because we went into this uh, creative industries conference thinking like, oh, these, this is not going to work. These people won't. We're going to ask them to do these ridiculous things. And there's no way they're going to do these things. And, and, and then they actually did them way more than we thought. And we ran <laughs> out of levels to get them to do things. So like, <laughs> you unleashed an animal. You're like, whoa, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. It was, it was insane. It was sh this was shocking to me, actually. And it's yeah. hard to shock me. But at one point, like a security guard was running at me with a ball of paper and saying, catch the hope ball, catch the hope ball. <laughs> and they're like people running around in a conga line and, and like making up new games it was just it was really crazy it was kind of like looking back on it now it's just like we couldn't have planned it this way <laughs> uh and it was the opposite of what you would expect and so i don't know for me shock is really kind of this like uh it's the shattering of expectations probably yeah um so but it's very relative to what's what the mood is at the moment yeah exactly so in the in this very conservative place actually it's much more likely that you're going to be able to sort of create the opposite um, reaction, right? So if you think conservative people yeah. are just going to be like, yeah, I don't get it. It's actually usually and they're going to go all the way to the other side. I always use a wedding as an example. Like weddings are these amazing kind of, I don't know, like events where it's like it shouldn't work. All the cool people are like grumpy, like, can you believe the music they're playing? <laughs> well, like all of the like... That, you know, everyone you thought was like no, had no soul, no fun or joy in their life, like Aunt, you know, Margaret and, uh, you know, Grandpa <laughs> Ernie or something. They're up dancing and, you know, just doing the most absurd things and not even thinking about it. Right. Um, it's just like it's it, that's shocking to me quite often because it challenges yeah. my assumptions. But then it, in, in terms of aesthetics, are you ever shocked that you're like, because it, the thing I talked about where the impressionist would paint with such bright colors and such broad strokes yeah. that people felt that just the way the imagery was made was so vulgar and and uh, well probably in the their shocking face. aesthetic right now is in design anyways speculative design um, for visual for graphic design right so it's like but does it shock you do you look at <clears> things <throat> and you go like holy shit 
Well, it's shocking it that like drop shadows and bevels, like an iron ironic artifice, is like maybe it's not shocking because I kind of expect it, but it's always it's always a reaction. So it's almost like maybe it, we shouldn't even be calling it shock. It's like the heaviest reaction is almost always the next movement. So if you're in a period of conservatism, the next movement's going to be a period of liberalism, and or if you're in a period of like quiet art, the next movement is loud art, and mm. uh, everything always seems one like of the this things reaction. that. W- one of the things that was shocking to me, uh, and has been a slow path, is when you grow up in the Netherlands, you're taught abstract art is Mondrian, and uh, everything after that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's basically the assumption. And I was shocked that there, were, there was so much that <laughs> happened after that and right. was considered seriously, because I always thought, oh, no, uh, uh, abstract art after Mondrian is just uh, decorative. But, there, but of then course, people are like, no. There are, of course, many... Yeah, so I think maybe we're segueing into, like, <clears throat> all of the times we've been shocked <laughs> we've been shocked yeah. before um but historically yeah. speaking you know you know each successive kind of major art movement has had some kind of shock in order to like get people out of their current way of thinking and i know yeah. we're politically but it's also it, but it, but it could also be shocking that you're so used to being uprooted all the time so like okay mm-hmm. you're used to this being art so we're gonna flip it mm-hmm. oh you're used to that being art so we're gonna flip it yeah oh you're searching for beauty well then we're gonna find out about kitsch yeah. oh you're used to kitsch then we're going sincere yeah but n- then you can also be shocked that a, a gradual evolution can also be very interesting yeah i mean i'm not sure if I'm completely jaded, like what what shocks me now is, it, I don't. I wonder whether it's a matter of age because I I seemed like when I was 12 years old I was shocked all the time. I was shocked my parents had sex. I was shocked. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked people did drugs. Like it was like a constant shock attack. And now I I seek out being shocked. Like um like. Do you a, remember a movie scene way. that shocks you? Well, I'm looking for like the uh, the most adventurous foods. Like I, I was reminiscing because okay. it's like Valentine's Day. I, Kristen and I, we always like have heart. We always eat a heart on Valentine's Day. Uh. And at first, that was like you know just to shock ourselves a little bit, like to laugh at Valentine's Day. And and then when you tell people that you eat heart on Valentine's Day, they find that shocking or something. And then you're like, but once you've had one heart, you're like, ooh, how could I make this heart this crazy? <laughs> I need to. I need, it's like a. And I think a lot of times. Uh, you know, con- so your your palate gets a bit uh, expanded all the time, and then uh, you well, keep this is, having to up yeah the, the game. danger yeah the danger or this is what like now I'm like you know I'm a conservative talk radio host for a second so like you know if the kids these days are playing these violent video games what's next they're gonna play the video games in the street they're gonna shoot our faces <laughs> and so mm-hmm. like you know it's always like as soon as you see one shocking thing you assume that it's just the very beginning of a of a continuum when in fact yeah. it's often just a counter kind of it's a pendulum swinging kind of um a thing happening yeah i think it it, um there is the 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 most common shock which is sort of gore and sex and violence Mm -hmm. and they they keep uh pushing that that line yeah like how far and the last time i was shocked yeah and also in art, I think there were actionists from Vienna who were doing performances with pig's blood and, and wait, but the like Vienna. That. So yeah, if we're going to talk about the Vienna actionist movement, though, that's like that was sh- that that's probably still shocking today. Yeah, um, yeah. Fifty years later, do you want to l- say a little bit about the Vienna actionists? I don't know that much about it. it uh, I just know that they <laughs> no one does with pig's, no, pig's blood. Yeah, everyone had a teacher but that it, was like, check this but, out. <laughs> It's funny, the, the only reason I ever 
found out about it was through black metal, where people oh okay like, oh that was an influence. Yeah, I think you know it, one, I, one of my experiences with shock, you know, with that kind of thing was I, I think everyone's been in the scenario that's been in art school, and for those of you who haven't, typically you have a teacher at some point that's like, let me show you how it is, right? Because you come in full of swagger. And you're like, yeah. You, so I, you were the the most artistic kid in high school, and you think you're all. Yeah, it's shit. like I know I know who Duchamp is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like excuse me, uh, <laughs> and then, and then they're like, okay, well let me show you this video of like a woman drinking her own breast milk, or let me show you. <laughs> Uh, this like Vienna actionist film or this um, Carolee Schneeman like uh, video or film like Carolee Schneeman would be a, a good example where she was making these like really uh, in some ways like, really amazing great uh, feminist performances but like decades before you ever had you know were born right so it, I, I remember shocking. someone yeah someone masturbating with a huge eggplant and they saw it in an art center but like a, oh, really? a, a big <laughs> well, then these things become cliches I think yeah. um, but in their original like form like when Carolee Schneeman pulled uh, a scroll out of her vagina or whatever that was like legitimately shocking that said every once in a while the news media will pick up on artist culture and the way like, can you believe what artists are doing today and it'll always be a much more tame version in my opinion of yeah. something that was way more radical in the 1950s or 60s. There was something and I think when shocking comes up performance art will come up a lot and there, there was mm. a thing where in the election there was something about uh, Podesta being an art collector and he collected Louise Bourgeois and it looked like torture victims from Guantanamo Bay and then he was going to go to a Marina Abramovich performance which was referencing uh, Crowley the Satanist so then a, a lot of conservatives were like, oh, these Democrats are Satanists. and <laughs> So that, it was funny that the art was shocking in that way. And I, I was like, oh, it's just Abramovich. They're like, no, no, it's a Satanist cult. <laughs> right, right. Their yeah. mind just kind of wanders off into the Yeah, no, it's just area. a spoiled woman. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so I'm reminded, too, that like I was going to go, someone invited me to go out to like a student opening, student night here in Frankfurt, like, you know, where students have their opening night kind of show this or semester show or whatever and of course there's always nudity at these if you if you don't have a, yeah. if you haven't had a chance to go to a first year sort of undergrad but it's a, something show. specific that when people want to shock they generally go to performance yeah that's right and usually the perf- early i think teachers have to do this though i was thinking about it um having been a teacher myself that like when you have a student who is you know still in this formation period they need a shock to their system they need to do something that they never thought possible they need to confront their but fears. that's kind of a cliche is it really needed i well, know i'm always contradicting like, you but it's it's <laughs> I, I always wonder if if you're in a school and you're and it's more uh grounded and you're just it's very quiet and it's more about meditation and perception and mm-hmm. contemplation. I don't, I don't know if this shock to the system is so good. I think the, the feeling, the thing that they're trying to get you to do is sort of like face a fear. So then you can just put it behind you. Like if you're afraid of spiders, you know, like get them to crawl over your body. Yeah, but most people, I, here's I, my theory. I don't, though. Here's my yeah. theory. <laughs> most people in the world, when they were in college or high school or wherever, their biggest fear in the world, they have nightmares about this. It's a common nightmare is to show up to school without any clothes on. <laughs> so, yeah. so, then like, so then it's like natural yeah. that you're, you're, you're like when you're in a performance art class, you're like, hmm, what should I do? Oh, you know, I've always been afraid of not having any clothes on at school. So that's what I'll do. 
Um, anyway, and once you've done that, but it, though, it, you, yeah. you, you're a purist. You're an idealist, right? There's a certain idealism in that that leads you you're to vulnerable. that. You're sh- vulnerable. I don't yeah. know. It's it's also to me it sounds, and that's maybe my uh, critique of shocking is that it's often a very easy way of getting attention. It's like okay, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to cover myself in pig's blood and then uh, uh, vomit. And that puts me on the top of the echelon of the class. So in this context, I'm the radical one. Mm -hmm. End of story. Whereas if you would do that, uh, if you're trying to break new ground, which is what shocking is, but you're Mm -hmm. trying to do that in a territory that's much more difficult because it's more subtle. And uh, here's an example. Whenever you make something within a rectangle, mm-hmm. uh, non-electric, it's conservative. So whether it's a painting or a photograph or a silkscreen, and you can hang it on the wall, it's boring, it's conservative. It's a, so then what they do is they'll take the, the framed work and lean it f- on the wall, but f- on the floor. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit more edgy. Right, right. Then everybody does that. And they're like, okay, well, let's put it on the floor. But you can't walk on it. And then the next person is, oh, I'm not even going to frame it. I'm going to put it on the floor and you can walk all over it. And then right. the next person is like, I, I'm, I'm going to cut the canvas so big that it covers the whole floor. And then people walking. And so you keep going into this shocking of like jumping out of tradition. But you're actually avoiding what was happening within the rectangle. So it's just like uh, a distraction kind of thing. Well, yeah, it's a distraction maneuver because you didn't have anything new within the rectangle so you just start jumping hoops out of the so you you're basically saying the conversation within the tradition is dead so let's have the conversation somewhere else and talk about other things and, and mm. so that's to me what shocking feels like often it's like well i i don't have so much to say so i'm just going to scream right but i think it's not always like if it's not always the case because i could so here's an here's an example i think probably like um, certain artists have been shocking, and then they but they've done kind of interesting things, or that it hasn't been as obvious what they're trying to do. And yeah, the thing people yeah. are shocked by is not the thing the work is about. I think of like Chris Ophelia, you know, who had like elephant dung uh, in his work, British uh, Turner Prize winning painter. Um, but and also YBA, uh, maybe actually any of the YBAs really like they were trying to use shock for you could you could just argue as entertainment value but also to you know to attract attention or to transgress society or, to yeah sort of or to wake up people or yeah, to, wake, to but to stimulate their senses it wasn't about the shock itself it was usually about something else like i think of tracy emin maybe even as an example where it was there was a certain they were like waking people up you know to another voice or another perspective mm-hmm um, and then there's also like artists like Maurizio Catalan, who you know m- did shocking, has done some sh- sort of shocking work, but using humor, and and it's for some reason if it's shocking and humorous, people are more willing to accept it. Yeah, um, it, like it, his, it is uh, interesting that the the kind of things that happened in that era mm-hmm. uh, were so common in movies. Like it, it, Catalan made a movie, made a sculpture where it's little kids hanging on nooses from a tree. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was in a movie, if it would be as shocking, but it, just because the art world is so conservative. I see what you're saying. But he has, like his, I think probably his most famous piece, well, recently, actually, this is a fun one to talk about, is his gold toilet at, uh, <laughs> where's it at, at the, the Guggenheim? MoMA? At the Guggenheim, the right. Guggenheim. 
Yeah. yeah. It's uh, a solid gold toilet bowl that you can use. You People are standing in line and you can pee in it. Uh, I, whatever for, you so do. that I agree with you is like more like I want to get a news headline. Like, can you believe what artists <laughs> are doing now? <laughs> One million dollar toilet. Oh, my God. Well, that's what the one percent is doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then he also has that like kneeling Adolf Hitler uh, like little little Hitler uh, sculpture, mm-hmm. I think that's probably his most one of his most famous works, and that's not really that's. But it, it would not have been shocking if it was a a cartoon in the New Yorker, like if it was drawn. Mm. So it's interesting how uh, I, see what you're I agree that it was shocking because it's a, it, the facial expression was very good, and you start mm-hmm. to think like you know, maybe Hitler had regrets. <laughs> but if if it had been a drawing or a, a, a moment in an animated film or something mm-hmm. like that, I don't know if it but would have been... why is it like, uh, how do you know? I mean, we could uh, let's go all the way back to the most... Uh, we've been avoiding this the whole time, but like the most shocking artist at, at the turn of the last century, like not this century, the last century, was probably like Duchamp, right? Like he... But it was subtle because I, I think... Now we see it as like, oh, everyone was revolting. But back then, people were like, yeah, that's kind of a stupid joke. Now let's get back to business. So you, you think like, uh, yeah, it would have been interesting to be around uh, like when. Well, he in interviews I read with him, he he was really downplaying his relevance at the time. He's like, the interviewer was like, well, you were very well known and you were friends with everybody. He's like, yeah, but they didn't really consider that work, and it wasn't talked about that. It's really years, years, years later. So I. He mm. he, it's it's a it's a more subtle long term thing mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. than it being a headline in the news and. Uh, so I mean, someone I mean, like Dali was on the cover of Time magazine, so he was like more of a shock in in that sense of like, oh, it, he he, th- there was a moment with the surrealists where he he would just paint whatever he dreamt. Mm. If he, if it was in his dream, he would not filter it. He would just paint it as clear as possible. Or maybe that's shocking. And no, but he 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 would paint whatever comes to mind. And at some point, he painted Hitler who pooped his pants. Right, right. And then the surrealists came together, and I said, "Well, you're going too far. Like we we can't have poop in in diapers. That, no." <laughs> <laughs> and so he was he was laughing that they were so small minded. He's like, "Well, I dreamt it, so I'm painting it. End of story." Well, as long and, as we're in then, Germany and talking about oh, keep going. Sorry. I yeah, was no, say, that, like, that was there, it. there was yeah. like a lot of shock happening at that time. I mean, I, I think even like mm-hmm. the most shocking idea while Hitler was in power was the idea of the Bauhaus and like the idea that of democracy, right, in the face of fascism, that like yeah. that a single mode, a, th- a single design could please everyone, you know, which has become like kind of the German uh, ideal around democracy, right, that you, everyone should have access to the same, you know, beautiful apartment the same beautiful car yeah the same, you know yeah it's like the, their the same ugly the, apartment <laughs> <laughs> their version of the american dream yeah the same shitty toilet okay actually i haven't talked about this sh- i'm in germany we were German on a toilet toilets? theme because of duchamp and catalan <laughs> and i have to just remind everyone that when you're traveling to germany if you're so unfortunate to get a german toilet <laughs> is it the one where the, the poop is on the plateau <laughs> it the yeah the one so the one i'm talking about is the one with the "Quote unquote platter," <laughs> <laughs> and it's just revolting. I don't want to discuss, discuss my audience, but this is something I've been thinking about every time I'm in Germany. And I have one of these toilets in a to- hotel room or something. It's like I can't stop thinking about my very like how disgusting I am as a human being. <laughs> because basically, 
<laughs> your poo. Mr. <laughs> Bailey, we want you to compliment on your excrement. <laughs> yeah, your, your excrement lands on this little plate. And it's really to discourage you, I think, from sitting on the toilet for very long and checking your email. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing that happens it is stinks. I think it saves water. What? How does the, it save water? Because there is no I don't water. Know. Well, the, 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 the American toilet bowls are basically like a, a swimming pool. So <laughs> to, to flush it, you need a lot of water. And I think the one with the plateau. But the contradiction is that the plateau is not as wet. So the, the, the poop <laughs> smells a lot more. And then also yeah. when you flush, it leaves skid marks. So then you have to flush again and brush it. And it's, it's very problematic. Well, I have a good, a good, this, this toilet actually has an innovation, which is you hold up the flusher. So it just keeps flushing until you let go. Um, yeah. So you can just rinse that platter clean. But, still. I, but I, I think whatever you think is weird in Europe is usually for economics. Because they came out of World War II and they're like, okay, mm-hmm. we can save two liters of water. Let's well, the reason it. I heard that this exists is because it, it has to do with the Germans' obsession with health and, and the body. Okay. And like and also, like, yeah, I think like they're, they're very obsessed with naturalism, right? There's I can't remember the German term for the families that, like, kind of go to the forest to be nude together. You know, they yeah. usually swim yeah. in these, like, terrible muddy lakes. <laughs> like, but then they also eat a lot of uh, schweinflies and get fat. Yeah, I've never had a more upset stomach than this week. Because <laughs> I, I think I've had yeah. about 10 ton, like 10 kilos of salt and then, like, <laughs> another kilo of pork fat. I had kale. <laughs> I had this traditional kale dish uh, yesterday mm-hmm. or the day before. And it was, you know, kale we think of as a superfood, this, like, healthy, lightweight food. No, but I had German kale, which is boiled in pork fat for, for two days. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes to some shock this value mush, for you. And it's yeah. like embedded with sausage and you eat it. It's like this. It tastes like bacon, but it's <laughs> it's a wonderful invention. But certainly my uh, later that day, my toilet platter did not. <laughs> so well, here's your shocking podcast. Yeah, this is a it's shocking mostly podcast. about digestion. Yeah, but so I, I think just... One of the things uh, that's interesting is to talk about moments when you were shocked. uh, Mm -hmm. I remember seeing this movie, Itchy the Killer, and then um, I think Jodorowsky also referenced it. It, 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 Jodorowsky was talking about cinema today, and he said, I don't know what's a good movie or bad movie, but I I do know which movies I remember. And there's Mm. just this... This movie, Itchy the Killer, yeah, and it's it's all about sadism and they, these criminals who want to push pain to the extreme. Okay. And the, the, there's a scene where he cuts his own tongue in half, things like that. And there's a scene where he has another criminal, a, a Yakuza guy, completely covered in tattoos. And he's, mm-hmm. he's unconscious, but he's hanging on maybe a hundred hooks through his flesh, mm-hmm. in his like back, in his legs. What? Like Stellark. I, I, yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, it, yeah. he's hanging and he's unconscious and he wakes up and then Itchy the killer, the, the torture guy, is sitting next to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his mouth, the corners of his mouth are cut up all the way to the to his ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his Glasgow, mouth is huge. Glasgow smile, they call that in Glasgow. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, the, the torturer's mouth is that big and he's frying shrimp next to him. He's making tempura. Mm-hmm. And the guy is unconscious, but he wakes up and he wakes up and he realizes that he's hanging on his own flesh. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what the fuck? And he's like, so where's the money? I don't know where the money is. Please, please, please. Okay. But where's the money? No, I don't know where it is. Please let me oh, go. And, uh, and then he, he takes <laughs> the boiling oil and 
pours it all over the guy who's hanging on his own flesh. Mm. I just remember that was the last time. It's just something that stuck with me. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, this sounds traumatic for you. But when was this? Were you a young boy or was this recent? No, no, it wasn't traumatic. But it was just when when you talk about pushing shock value in movies, I thought that was pushing it. But I think, yeah, it's interesting. Well, the Stellark th- reference, just so that you know and the listeners know, is like Stellark does body modifications, right? So he mm. he did hang himself as a sort of performative sculpture from uh, many hooks. and Because it's know, a thing they've been doing in India, right? Like, is it, uh, is it I don't know. For him, I think it's more about cybernetics because he also has like sort of this projects where he's like merged himself with machines. Um, but the, yeah, but there's gurus in, in uh, the East who also try to find thresholds oh, yeah. of pain. And there's also a tradition in Catholicism where you hit yourself with nails to be closer right. to God or something. Well, and more recently, like, Stellark grew an ear, like, a he grew a new ear oh, on yeah. his arm. But anyway... Well, they, yeah, I guess bio-art is trying to shock as well. That's the latest shock wave, I guess, probably. It's like, the yeah. body The body really is this... And there's a, there's a book I like to refer to uh, by David Batchelor called Chromophobia that I really enjoyed. It was referred to me once, and it, it's he's a British uh, British I guess professor but talks about color he's also an artist and he talks about how like color I think you started the show off with this idea that color was shocking to some people but he, he looks at like history of aesthetics and design and you know kitchens and bathrooms are often all white right and it's like why are, why do we sort of um, why do we uh, fetishize this idea why is modern to be completely f- white and clean? Yeah, and, and his hypothesis or his thesis is that like it's our attempt to um, protect ourselves from the you know or ignore our humanity, right? Like if color represents all of the things that are inside our skin, the threshold of the human body, and so beneath, these leaps of logic are always very funny to me. No, but I think this is like goes back to my toilet here in Germany, but also like <laughs> you know it's all the blood and guts and all of the things that you know, are fragile or vulnerable yeah. about us. We want to put in a little box, like a little white box, and put that on the shelf and make sure that it looks like a vase. But there, there are cultures where, where homes are covered with carpets and color tiles. and. Well, yeah, that. but there's this long history of color being associated with tackiness among the, you know, among the bourgeoisie. And I think so there's like... Well, maybe in the West, but I think... Wh- I, mean, I guess what I wanted to say is what is shocking to um, someone in a different political class? Like if you're, if you're among the bourgeoisie, if you're wealthy, what's shocking is different than if you're potentially poor or, mm-hmm. um, or in a position where you're under stress. So, you know, like but, uh, it m- might be shocking for us to understand how certain people live or... Um, you know, like, I, I don't know. I think it's um, it's a matter of perspective. And it's certainly it's constru- a lot of what's shocking is constructed socially or culturally. And what's what's something that shocked you, a, a cultural expression that shocked you recently? Like, like, an, like a cultural expression, meaning like something that exists in the world or just yeah, like well, a, a, I mean, a I mean, not I'm not I mean, not real life. Like, of course, uh, politics is shocking. But I mean, something like a song or mm. a, a work of art or a book or a movie or some cultural expression. I mean, this is yeah, this is the this has been a challenge of late for me. It's the thing, the things that are shocking to me are um, the the lack of moving to the next level recently sorry for the long exhale but it's like i feel like there is a certain plateau there's a, we're on a certain german toilet moment in in uh in cultural production and making and, it was constipated yeah like what's shocking to me is that you know how little how few artists are able to live a sustainable have a sustainable living or 
are uh, what's shocking to me is that we're not able to overcome some of these cliches to do, you know, like the conventions. I guess there's so many conventions out there right now that we're just kind of maintaining. You know, yeah, like I've, yeah. we've talked about the art world being this Victorian. But that's also interesting. This this uh, these conventions. Living in New York, you can really see the, the conventions of the art world. And okay, artists should be kind of quiet, mm-hmm. be in the studio, and make things. That's basically yeah, as long as those things are forty inches wide yeah. and fit on a wall. Yeah, but when you when you're like, well, I don't really make things, but I talk to people and blah blah. It, mm-hmm. You're you're stepping out of conventions, but you're also avoiding a conversation because you you're so far from the other conventions that you you can't talk to the other people anymore. The, the, your work does not talk to their work, vice versa. So you're avoiding the conversation. Well, I think yeah, maybe you're onto something in terms of like the icon, um, you know, like or the archetype, right? So it's easy. We need these stereotypes or these archetypes to be able to have a conversation because otherwise the download and upload of information necessary for us to even have a dialogue is just too... Yeah, like uh, if, if you... Let's say you make interactive art, you, you can't share that on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Well, because Facebook doesn't allow... Uh, no, Facebook does you, you could have an outside link, but if you say, I, I need to make something in the native format of Facebook, it should be either video or audio well, text, you would make work about you would make work about um, about Facebook and within Facebook, right? It's, yeah, I, I'm yeah. I'm very much like. But a, but but if you see the art world as like okay, they they have these regulations. It has mm-hmm. to fit in a crate. It shouldn't use electricity. Yeah, uh, it should be archival. Whatever those kind of stereotypes. Yeah, or those boundaries. And then if you go past those boundaries to shock people, then. Well, I guess why I'm bringing this up is that um, this week, um, Eva and Franco Mate won the pre-net art. Um, Yeah. And for our listeners who don't know, I mean, I think for a long time, these are two artists that I think both of us probably could say we we admire greatly. Um, But they didn't they weren't accepted in the art world and weren't considered wouldn't even call themselves artists. You know, like slowly it creeped in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it creeped in, but you know, they, but they would even re- reject that they were artists. And this is the most shocking thing you can say, by the way, as an artist. I think from one artist to another, is like we've all had these conversations, or maybe I've had a lot of them recently, where I'll meet an artist and I'll be like, "I love what you're doing." Like, I'm not an artist. Like they reject the term mm-hmm. artist because what it comes with is all this baggage, like of what you can and can't do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember seeing an interview with one of the guys from Jackass, and mm-hmm. they were like, "Is Jackass art?" And they're like, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> they they thought it was a really like a derogatory term. It's like I can do that shit in my sleep. What we do is is real and interesting, mm-hmm. and uh, but I, I think they were pushing the shock value. Like it was hard to do performance art for a while after Jackass. Well, I think a lot of internet art that was not recognized as art um, would have. Be consi- was consi- was shocking, but before people could recognize what was shocking about it, maybe is what I what is, was what I'm sort of leaning into, which is since, that since oh, no, no, we're not ahead. always ready. What I'm saying is like if there's if you're bucking a convention, and you're so far from uh, what is the established norm. Sometimes we don't even see what's shocking about it. Yet. Yeah, it becomes invisible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like it's so different. Like I'm well, thinking here, here's about an example. That are working within. Here's, like, here's an example. There's a mm-hmm. jackass. Since we this uh, episode is so much about poop. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's a jackass uh, sketch where a guy dresses up like a homeless person. Mm-hmm. They put a bit of chocolate pudding in a diaper. Okay. They roll up the diaper and put it in a trash can outside, mm-hmm. and he starts walking around begging. So he's like, please, dude, can you spare me a dollar? I'm mm-hmm. so hungry. 
and no one gives him a dollar. And finally, he goes in the trash, opens the diaper, and starts eating the chocolate pudding. And everybody around him is like, dude, that's poop. And he's like, no, I'm so hungry. And so in that context, it's just college humor or dude, yeah. bro humor or it whatever. Kind of sounds offensive. But you, you, if you had done the same performance, eating chocolate pudding out of a diaper in a gallery, it would have been very shocking. Uh, I disagree. You would be I disagree. Talking. I think that would yeah. have, like that would have been like what you were arguing before, which is like that that would have been just sort of juvenile or offensive even. And like I think this is where we have to draw a line, like the difference between potentially what's but what, what if what if it, it what if uh, the performance was done by someone like um, if, let's say it was done by a famous museum director as mm-hmm. a you know, uh, well, in that like context, a, commenta- a commentary on parenting <laughs> and being on no, <laughs> yeah. having no salary. It's just, uh, it, it, yeah. I, I wonder <laughs> if it would be shocking. Yeah, I think like, yeah. Well, I would like to draw a st- distinction like between someone like Jackass and maybe like some great performance work that's existed on the basis of, um, you know, what is a, f- a being offensive is shocking, um, but you know, shock art. Its intention is not to be offensive. I mean, in, in the best case, mm-hmm. its its intention is to sort of wake people up or get them to pay attention or um, challenge a convention. And or and honestly, coming from where, where I do, like as as an artist in my career, is like the, what was shocking to me when I was a student was like teachers who taught me that you could misuse something like that some, the, if something was meant for something you could use it the wrong way you know this is a shocking yeah. idea like so whatever yeah, yeah. you know do whatever the opposite of the thing is um yeah. challenge yourself shock yourself to you know in into into some kind of realization because then you can see eat, the boundaries eat soup, with, eat soup with chopsticks yeah well then you see the boundaries of what's possible um which i think like Honestly, I think that's what shocking is. You know, in the best cases, satire can be shocking because it, you, you know, and I often talk about how a laugh or laughing and, and, and com- good comedy is shocking because you laugh at the convention, right? Like you're like, oh, you're, su- yeah. you're surprised that it, you're that way. And it's involuntary. Yeah, it's involuntary. The it's reaction. not something. Yeah, exactly. Like the diaper thing to me is like, it's just so easy. Like it's actually, I think to be shocking without being offensive is incredibly hard to do. Um, the the Seinfeld comedy, yeah, and artists do it, a lot of artists do it very well, I think, um, and don't, and go underrecognized, and then they end up in the tabloids in England. I, it's always my favorite thing. Like in England, every time I ride the tube in England, if I'm there for a week, there's at least one article. It's like, can you believe how much this artwork <laughs> sold for this? That's this often the. I think if we talk about shock in art in the last mm-hmm. twenty years, it's the financial part. Yeah, that's, that's recently been the, the that, real yeah. shocker. That's the new shock, right? It'll be yeah. like, yeah, can you believe this has value? <laughs> yeah, and the and the less uh, the less interesting the work is, the more shocking that it has value. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, yeah, I so, remember I, I was at a um, uh, benefit auction for the new museum, and it was uh, the the Puri, the the famous auctioneer, and he's very entertaining. Oh and yeah, one of the guy. works was a was a Paul McCarthy huge butt plug. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was cobalt blue. It was a very beautiful color, and it was about as tall as a person. Mm. And so he he starts the auction saying, "Oh, we have this beautiful sculptural form, which we will purely observe for its uh, formal <laughs> character, and we will not name uh, its its uh, usual name, but we will just enjoy its beauty." And so people start bidding, and a woman was wearing a, a dress in the exact same color, so she bought the work because of that, and. <laughs> 
I remember being with my family later and just explaining, oh yeah, someone paid two hundred thousand for a, a big blue butt plug, and that, yeah, that was very shocking. But the the butt plug itself, okay, yeah. Well, I'm I mean I'm I'm wary of uh, the fact that, I mean that that yeah the economics in art and shock it's uh, I'm I'm almost it it does like segue into talking about a little just for a second technology, and whether you know because we often talk about tech and art. Mm-hmm. And whether that that has transcended that that space at all, whether like um, you know, I'm, I think about early, early artists working with technology. It was shocking to I think I don't know actually because I wasn't around at the time, but like just as technology became more you know more and more embedded in the art world, I wonder whether it was viewed as like a force. This is something I'd like to research. I, I don't have an answer. I wonder if you know. Um, is, is it the question, are you using technology or is technology using you? Yeah, exactly. But I think like people like Nam June Pike started to make work with um, television signals and advertising. Like advertising became a part of art. I mean, obviously Warhol had already done it, but like, but also consumer culture, like devices. And we've kind of hinted at this with like internet artists that were working outside of art. Um, or certain performers that uh, work within the constraints of like social systems. I'm getting a little academic here, but I often wonder like um, maybe it's just not at all shocking. But I, I feel like because you're talking about the economics, it's still shocking for that woman in a blue dress to consider that you might have to plug artwork in. Um, yeah, like that that's yeah. a sh- that's still new and shocking. Like, it's well, that might never uh, this the, the same way that. Uh there's just certain human behavior that people like convenience. So there's a reason why Instagram is so successful is because you don't have to plug an SD card into it. And so maybe it's the same thing with buying art. It's like, I, I hate plugging mm-hmm. things in. So it, you would think, oh, it's just a little trouble. But then actually well, the this, artwork that has to be plugged in, the voltage changes, yeah. people, uh, 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 the, it breaks. It it's a, bit, it's a lot to ask. But it, it reminds me that like... So this is a weird segue, but that you know, quite a few internet-based practices that have shock embedded them in them have been a part of uh, a corporate platform that has a moral value attached to it, and has you know had has can't has either erased the work or like forbidden the user. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a typical example. Uh, I think I've cited here before would be like Petra Courtright videos with like spammy tags or something. And that's shocking to Google. But like Amelia Ullman, like performing as like a character on Instagram at some point might become shocking to Instagram because uh, Facebook. Well, yeah, nudity is, is not allowed. And in- yeah, exactly. This is where I wanted to go, which is like, so one of the interesting trends now is that a lot of the ways that we express ourselves are are not sh- are not shocking necessarily socially or even in the art world, but are are shocking within the constraints of corporate yeah. culture. So we we're living now in startup culture. I don't think we we talk about that enough, which is that we now live within uh, a new moral spectrum that's driven by uh, that's been exclusively designed by technology companies. So like even right this week, like Zuckerberg. In, and over the last few weeks, he started to position himself as a politician. We've <laughs> looked at this, but like, yeah, but he's like, now he's making, he's referring, I think he recently, this week he referred to Facebook not as like a, a platform, but as like a society or something like this. I can't remember the exact quote, but he started Facebook to change. Facebook is so lame. I just can't believe people still use it. But. but like, if it starts to become this facsimile for culture and society, then it's so weird to have the, it really is this 1984 moment where like the, 
the morals are being decided also by the CEOs. Yeah. Um, and as artists, we're making work for these platforms. And I wonder what, sho- like, so shocking, like the 1960s are happening all over again, in my opinion, in uh, on these technology platforms. So it's like, yeah, pubic hair. Whoa, <laughs> pubic yeah. hair on Instagram. <laughs> Can you believe it? Oh, my God. Menstrual blood. <laughs> it's like the woman's, she's but bleeding. But what's also vagina. interesting, what's interesting is that we went through these cycles of, of opening up taboos and then yeah. they're closing them again, but then opening them up again. Like, yeah, the, the first time... Uh, a nude person was on TV was uh, for political reasons and it was liberating mm-hmm. but then when you have to do it again it's just it, it it's it's needed it's it's uh, important mm-hmm. to do it but um, you've seen it but before that's a, that's so a it's, great it's point but that's a great point because what, what's happening right now at least or, or, or I think the good point you're you're getting to here is that like I'm being reminded why some of this shocking art existed in the first place right because yeah. there was a certain um, some you know society that had emerged that was like unjust or like not recognizing certain inequalities and so people had you know artists were the first to rise up and sort of uh, make the terrain uneven again right to say like no look at this it's crazy you have to look over here look over here it's like you know shining a spotlight really with the shock value yeah um, but this is true now on, on the internet I think again yeah I mean, the internet is weird because you have these weird walled gardens and then you have the most extreme filth uh, ever. <laughs> right, right, that's true. That's visualized. a really good point. Like, yeah. it, it, the, the, the senses... It, and, and so you can say, okay, well, YouTube is a safe space and uh, Instagram yeah. is a safe space, but let's go on Reddit, see what's going on. Yeah, you reminded me that, like, if I think about my growing up with the internet, which I got the internet when I was, like, 14 or 15... It was like suddenly Pandora's box. (laughs) 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 The rotten.com. Yeah, like just that kind of stuff. And I remember having to like say, no, today, Jeremy, you're not going to like, you know, you're not going to look at these things or you're not going to like. Infected corpses. Yeah, and because you'd meet friends at school and be like, oh, my God, I found this thing on the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) So you started to create your own barriers. It's like, no, I can only go this far down that path. Yeah, that's also funny when people protest about uh, conservatism on Instagram. And it's like, well, have you been around? Just open up your browser. (laughs) Sure, you can find some stuff. But I think they're protesting. Again, we're back to offensive versus like. And maybe there is this moral line that we haven't talked about uh, you know literally but we've danced around it which is like if it's shocking and immoral versus like (laughs) shocking and like if it's on the right side of social justice or not yeah um like you know because it's like killing babies is one thing but like um killing the like i I don't know image of a baby or something like that well that's another thing I, i mean it's it's hard to make a shocking video when there's a lot of real videos of beheadings or torturing and then to make a shocking yeah yeah, and then to make a shocking video like chris burns shooting his own arm like that that is not very effective anymore when you can when yeah real videos like that leak out it's kind of shocking when it happens like this last week the number we should mention this right like the the number one rated or the person with the most views on youtube this guy pewdiepie um who I'm not really a follower of, but he does like these game kind of uh, videos. They're, he's Swedish. They're supposed to be funny, but he has like a billion viewers. He was recently sort of like let uh, sort of told some. He told some anti-Semite jokes in his videos. Which it, it, that's a whole thing in in 
internet culture is a lot of people use racist slurs ironically not mm -hmm. thinking it would hurt anyone they're just talking to their friends but then it's all of a sudden it's a big public thing well it's like i think it's kind of almost like with him it's like someone who didn't go to art school <laughs> didn't make the mistakes in first year and it's like they get famous and they're like this is going to be funny right like they, they've never been And also, he's blonde with blue eyes, so it yeah, he's totally privileged guy. You yeah. know, he's he's had everything. Just like he got lucky, right? Um, he's probably talented in some ways, but like he doesn't understand the complexity of uh, of expression, and probably. Um, but that was a shocking moment. That was a shocking moment for the internet, I think, because this is someone that was like an internet darling. Yeah, it was a sweetheart. Yeah, yeah, internet sweetheart, and then suddenly is like anti-Semite, right? Um, It's funny because there was a, a whole. A few South Park episodes about him, and it was kind of Cartman was the PewDiePie. I can remember when he, South Park was shocking, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and and he was the PewDiePie, but South it, it, Cartman is always this anti-Semite, very openly. So mm -hmm. I guess they they predicted it. Right, right, right. They, yeah, I I read an interview with the the South Park creators, and they were talking about how every so many years conservatives will complain about some movie or animation or video game and, and so gangster rap was to blame for a while video games were to blame for, and for a while it was south park so mm -hmm. everybody was upset about south park and the first two seasons and they're like yeah they talk about aliens coming out of their butthole and mm -hmm. this children watch cartoons we can't have this and they said okay well we dealt with it there was a lot of complaining and it actually helped the ratings mm -hmm. And after a while, it quiets down. But they said the stuff we did later on was so much more shocking, and we never heard anything. Right. Well, it was it was it was, yeah. it was like humans coming out of genitals and eating each other and diseases, and, and nobody minded. It was just the first two years they were the the ones that everybody talked about. Well, yeah. So if if being shocking is getting people to pay attention, um, we know that attention is like something that expires, <laughs> uh, you know, or that. You know, when you look at the sun, it's bright at first, but over time, <laughs> over time, you go blind to it. Uh, <laughs> so I think, you know, yeah, th we've talked about this uh, all hour, which is like, you know, kind of jumping into the bath versus, you know, the bath warming up slowly. There's this initial shock, but then you get used to it. And then the cycle repeats itself over and over again. I just wonder, you know, whether it's something that we, that's just necessary. It's like a part It's like an important part of how things work, you know. The real, sh the real. Sh I'm thinking about shock, and like I'm, I'm really, uh, in general, in art, I find the shock for shock, like the sort of screaming teenager. Mm -hmm. I find that's super uninteresting. Like, oh, I'm putting menstrual. Blood well, yeah, on my I face. think like we're about but, to but see the, a lot the, of bad. But the type art. of the type of shock yeah. that I like is when you uh, discover something and it shocks you how good it is. You're like. Holy shit! <laughs> and it's it's and you you start digging into the body of work of the musician or right, filmmaker right. or writer. And I remember reading Stanislav Lem, uh, the Solaris book, mm -hmm. and I had just never seen someone's imagination go that far from the world we know. Yeah, because most what we call fantasy or sci-fi builds on a tradition. Trolls look like this, and elves look like that, and yeah. there's all these little rules, and you can make little leaps. And he talks about an entire planet being a conscious being and f uh, changing gravity and well you're you're, you're talking like, about uh, I wonder if shock and mind blowing 
<laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Like, but that was it. Was shocking to me how yeah. much more imaginative that was than anything I read. Yeah, I just got back from. Uh, I spent a couple hours today going to see a new Ed Atkins piece. There's like a Ed Atkins solo show here in Frankfurt, and he's, uh, he's my least favorite artist of all time. <laughs> Is he? I think like yeah. when I first saw his work, I was surprised, like shocked or surprised at it because it was so different from the way people were making. So just so our listeners know, he does these like sort of kind of uncanny valley or uses kind of recent video game aesthetics um, with very good sound design um, to create these like filmic scenes. Um, they're usually He's the like, exact thing I talk about when it's like uh, the, 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 the five-year-old bragging about how late they stayed up. Mm. Why do you say that? Because his videos are like there's a little bit of piss and drinking and degenerate <laughs> and hooligan. But yeah. he's obviously a high culture guy. He's uh, uh, very educated and uh, it moves in the circles of the cultural elite. Yeah. And then he talks about the down and out sort of Bukowski character. But he he he's just he's faking it. He's he's not a Bukowski. He's not. It's funny that you say that because so this exhibition maybe would be shocking because you get in you walk in. Uh, to the exhibition there's two entrances but you walk in through the one next to the didactic as one is programmed to do and there's a video playing and it's already shocking because oh no it's a video and there's like no seating <laughs> like, and you can tell it's going to be long form content let's say and, like you can tell because people are sitting on the ground right this is the signal that i'm going to be here for a while mm -hmm. and you think like i've just walked into this show and there's like at least 10 other works in this solo exhibition and I, I'm only two seconds in and people are already sitting. This is going to take me six hours. <laughs> so you're like, you're kind of grumpy about that. I didn't like, bring popcorn. Do, yeah, like I'm going to show, I'm dedicated. I'm an artist. I have to see this work. It's important. It's a new commission. And then like, you're finally like, okay, like I can't take it anymore. I have to see what else is here. <laughs> and so you go to the next room and then you see in this exhibition that the same video is playing on the next in the next room. And then you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of uh, surprising. And then you go to the next room, and the same video is playing the next room, and the next yeah. room, the next room. And so you but get then like, he he probably made a six hour video that each edit has one frame different, so you have to watch all of it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was joking about today. Yeah. But it was like I was with a, a friend and curator, and she was like, "This is quite ballsy," because <laughs> like, the whole show is just this one video and a single poster. Like, there's one huge room that has like a little poster on the wall. I think we've joked about this before. Like, you know, an artist has to like, you, you know, push it to this like ridiculous level. So it's just a cigarette in the corner or something like yeah, that. Like, it's a, it's that what you can get away with mentality. Yeah, yeah, and almost like if they don't do that, you're disappointed. So there was a strange satisfaction in finding out like, oh, he he did this one work and then he just he had too much space left to spell, so he just put it on every on every screen in the building. But um the shocking part though of the story is I got up there we couldn't find the second work on the didactic they're like two new works and we hadn't read that. It was on our way out. It was like, is that it? And there, we eventually like found a way to this second floor where there was another work. And before we walk in, it was like the, there was a warning for children. Um, you know, like kids might you know might be shocked by this work. And the they work might be bo bored to death. It's <laughs> <laughs> your kids might not survive. This is like our Ed Atkins like <laughs> anti advertisement. Um, Anyway, in you walk into the and the work's not at all shocking in my opinion. But I was with someone who did think it was shocking. It's like 
his computer generated self um, and he's at an, in an airport like and ripping off parts of his body and putting them through airport security and but it's like this video game uh, video game aesthetic so I don't find I didn't find it shocking at all because I'm used to killing because you've seen a zombie and yeah like I've in, in yeah. an entertainment context I was like well this and like he goes extreme with it like he's like, like pouring guts and bile into the security um things but because it's in this uncanny valley like before it's and I, I don't know if this is maybe an interesting thing to talk about we're running out of time which is like because it's not quite uncanny valley and uncanny valley is when you're uncomfortable with an image looking close to reality a but bit not too real well, yeah a bit too real but not real enough to convince you it is real and this creates discomfort um there's a lot of theory around it. we should probably eventually do an episode on uncanny valley but anyway like um I just didn't, it wasn't close enough to Uncanny Valley. In fact, he had exaggerated the pores in the skin and everything to make it more disgusting. And so I didn't find it shocking so much as just like, um, I don't know. It just, it didn't leave much impact on me at all. It seemed like a bad joke about airport security, actually. Yeah. Um, but it was really well installed, I have to say. It was like hanging. Like, to your point, you love the aesthetics of like, or you hate the aesthetics rather of like a screen propped up against the wall. In this case, he had like a crane, like hang, hanging monitors from <laughs> the center of the room it's like how many ways do we have to invent to, to hang a monitor it was another new way. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah just put it on youtube dude it's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can check yeah. out his work on youtube <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway okay uh, well um yeah that was a sh- shocking episode <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love getting an episode topic and us sort of just struggling our way through figuring out what it's about. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure if we made it all the way there. Also, oh, I forgot to mention, there was a correction about the last episode. Should we? Uh, someone like uh, commented on the that we made a mistake about demo scenes. They specifically, um, should we mention that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, there was some. There was some mention that. Uh, that in regards to demo scenes, we didn't, uh, we kind of mischaracterized it as being all about the file size, and this isn't necessarily true. And of course, whenever we're speaking, yeah, maybe maybe what I meant was that um, it was interesting to make generative audio and not like a high quality ten minute audio track that mm-hmm. was made with uh, uh, high end uh, like like Logic or Pro Tools and, and make it perfect. But no, making generative sound that is. The, the music is created on the fly, mm-hmm. which then makes smaller files because you work with parts that you repeat. Or. Yeah. Anyway, um, just a little fact checked there. Uh, I want to make sure that we're transparent. So you can always send in because we're coming up with this stuff, I think, on the 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 fly. I mean, sometimes we're just speaking from memory or we're paraphrasing. Well, we're in the post-truth world. So we say <laughs> no, but I think it's important that um, if people are taking this uh, into classrooms, <laughs> now I imagine it's... <laughs> Disclaimer, nothing is true. Yeah, d- disclaimer, do not use this to write your PhD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I also, I also, whenever I give an artist talk, I always talk about how I'm kind of telling, there's a little bit of a, a lie in everything that I tell you, uh, which is interesting because... Art history is so um, subjective and it's retold by so many, so many different people in so many different ways. Um, and then it's eventually cat- in a catalog at a museum. Uh, but it's been, I mean, uh, maybe we'll do an episode on that one time about how art history gets canonized and how 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 it be- does stuff does become fact. Um, but uh, anyway, just wanted to call that out. So uh, it's time for us to transition to our ambient audio recording. And 
I'm in Frankfurt. We ha- So we've been getting amazing submissions and it's almost like we're not going to stop doing those. But when we were traveling, Raphael originally said we would like go out if we're in another city and, and record that city for you. But obviously when we're not traveling, it's so wonderful also to hear from from you uh, and to for us to feel like this community of ambient audio coming together. Um, but I'm in Frankfurt this week. So Raph asked if I would go out uh, into Frankfurt and find some audio. And I thought I'd do that this evening when I went out for dinner. So we we haven't heard the field recording yet, and we'll glue it to the episode. Um, but you'll hear something from the town of Frankfurt, and something related to the festival and the people. Yeah, well, what do you what do you festival. yeah What do you think I should do? Like, I mean, uh, I think there you should a record a bunch of stuff, <laughs> not thinking too much, and right. then, uh, we select the best one. There's like a I'm near a porno theater district, <laughs> near, which is go. like standard in uh, Germany, and I'm also near a zoo. But I I don't know. Uh, hopefully the sound of the city comes through, and I probably haven't really heard it yet, so um, we'll, we'll hear it. We'll hear it now, I guess. Well, it's really a, I really recommend anyone to walk around the city, uh, listening to the city, and thinking what could be a good field recording, because then you experience it. So you'll experience Frankfurt that way. Yeah. Okay. With that, um, I bid you farewell. See you all next week and enjoy the field recording for free. Thanks so much for listening.